everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks respectively throughout their season as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. Daniel T Mac, how was your weekend? Uh busy. It was good though. Yeah. It's good. It was good. I'd have to say the same. Uh fairly good weekend for me. Um we got out Saturday, went and did some a little shopping around, ran a I few saw errands. Had a good lunch. Uh Sevier County Fairgrounds had a, a food truck festival going on we got to enjoy all kinds of good food truck food um followed up like i said by a a few stops doing running some errands uh going and seeing the marvels um Mm. enjoying some good college football on saturday uh made a little money off of a few of those games and turned around and doubled down and made a little bit of money on the the sunday slate of games for the pros so nice i uh, I was most shocked of the entire weekend that Dak did so well. Tell that me about it. That was the biggest shock of the whole weekend. Uh, now the only Cowboys player with 10 games of 400 plus yards or more. And speaking of QBs with insane games, did you see the stat line that Jaden Daniels laid down? Yes. In Saying, talk about who should be a Heisman front. Uh, Jaden basically after that. said, "I'm tired of hearing about Michael Penix Jr." Yeah, I'm tired of hearing about Bo Nix. I'm yeah. tired of hearing about Michael Penix. Put some respect on my name. Over 600 yards by himself, and multiple touchdowns in the air and on the ground. Dude was just like, "Here, I, I'm going to win this one by myself." 700 total, over 700 total yards of offense, 600 of it came from him, either through the air. Heck, he had more rushing yards himself than a third of all college football mm-hmm. teams did for their, their team for the rushing the entire yeah. day. That's insane. That's insane. But in other news, continuing around the, the world of SEC football, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Done. Out. Bye. No longer the Texas A&M head coach. After a win. After a massive win. A big win. And it was a situation to where, I mean, if you watched what the, the AD said, basically, in a nutshell, it came down to we've we've given him six years. He's had the resources, the availability. They took in what was ranked the highest ever class since classes have been being ranked in, in recruiting classes and has not been able to get to a, a conference they, where, championship, yeah, much where they less feel a they national be. championship. So, yeah, Jimbo's done. It's Gone a big by buyout. Yeah, 70-something, 70 70-plus 70 million dollars, and that's being paid out, if I'm not mistaken, through 2031 at an increment of like somewhere between seven and nine million dollars a year. He doesn't have to do anything. No. I mean he can like coach Ogeron yeah. from LSU. He can comfortably just go live out the rest of his days unless he's co- become accustomed to such a lavish lifestyle. I mean, yeah, maybe. Maybe he needs the more money. But I wouldn't. I personally would not. If somebody were to say we're gonna buy you out Nine million through twenty thirty something, I'd say. Okay, okay, bye. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Call me Anna. Okay, bye. I'm yeah, I'm out. not doing anything, and I'm gonna tell my 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 wife we're not doing anything. Yeah, I'd take I'd take a million of that. Oh yeah. And and go nuts. Yeah. And the rest of it would just go into the bank somewhere. Hmm. I mean. 
I'd take care of friends and family who need it. But yeah. Beyond that, that's it. Because I don't need it. to live a lavish life. And somebody else's seat that has gotten really hot this weekend, I don't think he's actually been officially given the boot yet, but more than likely will be before it's all said and done, and that's Sam Pittman in Arkansas. Yeah. I, how'd they do last year? They I, they wound up going to a bowl game last year. Went to a bowl game last year, so this yeah. is their worst year in a few years. Yeah, they're definitely on a, a downward spot mm-hmm. for this season. I didn't think it would heat up that bad, that quick. Yeah, it's they're they're not impressed in any capacity, and I'm I'm for one would like to actually see Sam Pittman continue in the coaching ranks, but mm-hmm. go back to being a a either position coach or coordinator of some sort. Yeah, and I think he would do well as a line coach somewhere. Yeah, maybe he's just not a head coach. Some people aren't. They really aren't. I mean, nowadays it seems like more and more you have to have someone who is a CEO type mm-hmm. to be the head coach as opposed to having someone who actually does a lot more with the X's and O's and actual player development. Like, I, yeah, I know the head coach is going to have some part of that, but, you know, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, lots of potential places for either of them to land uh, should Sam Pittman, of course, you know, actually get the axe. And then, of course, Jimbo Fisher, you know, probably in no hurry to. But, I mean, if you're guaranteed, if you would be guaranteed a million dollars a year, I mean, I wouldn't be, you know. No, I wouldn't be rushing. Yeah, in any capacity. But this guy's getting between 7 and $9 million a year guaranteed for the next what eight years eight years yeah yeah so so that means yeah it would wind up being around the 90 something or nine million something dollars a year that's insane to yeah i i would be in no hurry to try to go somewhere else and have to deal with the stresses and the headaches even if i did know that i was getting that guaranteed paid money in plus whatever this other institution would be paying me i still i wouldn't be in any kind of hurry at that age, I'd go enjoy life. Oh, I know. Just go and enjoy it. Well, let's go ahead and actually, since that is the case, let's start with that one. Texas yeah. A&M welcoming in Mississippi State Rebels. Final score, 51-10. to 10. And after an absolute dogging mm. of their opponent, conference opponent, like we say, Jimbo Fisher, six and four, four and three. They're bowl eligible now after that win. They're going to another bowl game at Texas A and M and he's done. They're like, you know what? You you can get to this point. That's as far as we've been able to go with you, and we can't go any further. You're done. I get it. I mean, for years now as a Cowboys fan, I've been saying that about Dak. And then he goes out and lays a 400-yard yeah. game, and albeit it was against a, a Daniel Jones-less Giants. Yeah. Um, they were really weren't – the Giants weren't poised to have a, a, a good game against the Cowboys anyway, mm-hmm. and Dak Prescott turned into Oprah Winfrey. You get a catch. Yep. You get a catch. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. At, but, yeah. His I, best I, performance in his entire career as a Cowboy. It's insane. But ultimately, yeah. Um, Jimbo Fisher out at Texas A&M despite a massive win. And who's to say that uh, um, Bobby Petrino doesn't wind up taking over as the head coach like they had already brought him in. And to be be the OC, maybe they just promote from within. But I don't know. Maybe they hire from somewhere else. But I don't know. Who all would want the Texas A&M job now? It's a fantastic job to have. I mean, it would basically be like, here, here's this Ferrari that's been sitting in the garage. It just needs the right person to come in and drive it. It, It's one of those programs to where it, it, it has had its storied past in history, but you've just not had the right person behind the wheel in the last several years to to be able to realize what it can be they've got the funds i mean there's there's plenty enough oil barons and tycoons i mean if they're paying across out the state a of coach Texas nine million to, a year for eight years they 
clearly have the money. Yeah. So, I I don't know, man. I don't know, but yeah. After yeah, I don't know any front runners I could think about currently. There, there's a couple of people that might will wind up leaving the current institution that they're at, and if they did not make the leap into the pros. The main name that comes to mind for me would be Harbaugh, but I don't see him going. If he doesn't go to the pros, he's not going to coach. Harbaugh's going to be the coach for the Raiders next year. Raiders or Bears? Raiders. Because that's where a lot of troublemakers escape to, is the Raiders. (laughs) Players and coaches. Leave your woes behind in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Um, speaking of the couple of other SEC West teams, Auburn travels to Arkansas. After Arkansas lays the wood to Florida, mm-hmm. just gets completely manhandled by Auburn. 48-10, to 10, the final score in that one. Just another one that you would not see coming. Which, no. Which now puts Arkansas at 3-7 and seven on the season, 1-6 in SEC play. Uh, Auburn now, of course, bowl eligible with that win puts them at six and four, three and four on the season in conference play, and are now bowl eligible. So you've got Texas A&M and Auburn in the West going bowling, going bowling as well as LSU, of course. Um, Alabama clinches SEC West, mm-hmm. and Georgia now, unfortunately, has clinched the SEC East. So mm-hmm. we already know. Without having to go down to the wire, yet again be representing another SEC championship with Georgia and Bama. Yep, that <laughs> hasn't happened before. <laughs> no, at no point in time. Uh, switching gears, getting into a couple of the cross division battles from this weekend. Speaking of Florida, um, they once again the weirdness that is this team this year is astonishing and the fact that that the teams that they shouldn't be able to beat they beat and the teams that they should be able to play with be able to play with they are getting absolutely manhandled in LSU like I said after that absolutely dominating performance by Jaden Daniels uh, final score wound up being 52 to 35 LSU over the Gators man like I said Daniels just basically said here hold on I got this because it was actually a really close game to begin with and then Daniels literally just said hold my beer yeah and and went off literally I mean went off as we were saying uh, to open up the show over six 700 total yards in the game over 600 yards were just him and that included I'm going to pull it up here real quick just that way His I can teammate give said, the can exact, we, you know, the Can we have number. some yards? Uh, he was 17 of 26 for 372 yards in the air. Uh, overall QB rating of 98.9, average of 14.3 yards. Of those um, catches... The, the highest number would be between Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., each totaling six catches each. Uh, T- Thomas with 150 yards, Malik Neighbors with 132 yards, Thomas getting two of those touchdowns. But like I said earlier, the fact that he had 12 carries himself, this is Daniels, Jane Daniels had 12 carries himself for 234 yards. The entire team for Florida had 177 yards for this game. Jaden Daniels himself had 234 yards. Total yardage for LSU in this game, uh, 372 passing, 329 rushing. It's insane. Very insane. And, and not much else to say beyond that. Um a very good chance that Jaden Daniels could win the Heisman Trophy with that being one of the biggest arguments of the year. Yeah. Because they are definitely not I would going say to, his, to his, win a, a national championship right now. His performance against Florida, Ole Miss, and Missouri this year 
those three games alone, I'd put him in contention. For sure. I mean, carrying the QB rating that he's been carrying as well as the fact that it, it, it's People just been... with less rating are going to be in the hunt. So right. put him in the hunt. I I hope that after the last several weeks that Caleb Williams has actually dropped out. Done. Yeah. Overrated. That, that it's done with him yeah. this weekend. That's what me and my buddy year. Logan were talking about last night when we were playing Fortnite. Is, uh, he said, I hope we're done hearing about Caleb Williams. For sure, I mean, because he's yes, proved last that year it was, was just fine, but last year was just a, a, his a, year. The stars lined up. For yeah, him. the stars lined up for him, but this year they just have not. Too right, too right. You are continuing with the cross conference battles. Alabama travels to Kentucky. Number eight, Alabama going into Kroger Field. Another absolute thumping again by the Crimson Tide. Uh, a time that I thought Kentucky could play better than they did. Two times this year I've put in a lot of faith in Kentucky. Once I thought they could play Georgia. They didn't. Nope. They could play Bama. They didn't. Nope. I didn't think they'd beat Bama by any means. But at least But I thought it'd there. be a game. Nope. Final score forty nine to twenty one. Jalen Milrow, two hundred and thirty four yards on the day with three touchdowns and one interception. And and I don't want this to be the case because Kentucky's next opponent is South Carolina. They're getting ready to travel. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, that the South Carolina faithful can provide a, an environment very similar to what they faced against Alabama. And I hope the players are ready to, to put on a, a an absolutely fantastic performance. Um and and we'll get into this a little bit here, uh, of course, in what will be our preview show later this week. Um, but I hope that Ray Davis doesn't find his legs again against South Carolina. Um, while he did wind up with a touchdown on the day, um, his numbers were still rather pedestrian considering some of the games that he has posted uh, earlier in this year. But as the, the story goes... Don't bet against Bama, and I definitely did not this week. Yeah, uh, Kentucky rushing Ray Davis, 12 carries for a total of 26 yards. Wow. Yeah, and Ramon Jefferson had two carries for 73 yards with a long of 74, which means he broke off one run, and then the other attempted rush went for minus one. So, yeah, they had nothing on the ground um, against Alabama, and hopefully with a little bit of change-up in the South Carolina defense going into this next week, they'll be able to uh, do better against stopping the run Mm -hmm. and force some uh, attempted passes, and hopefully our uh, secondary will will continue to make advancements and, and... put a stop to any potential aerial attack that mm-hmm. the Wildcats may be able to come up with. The last one that's going to be a cross-division matchup, and this is one that I know that you were crossing your fingers and hoping that Uncle Kiffin would be able to get it done, but unfortunately he wasn't able to. I thought if he didn't get it done, it'd at least give him a dang game. But <laughs> And that was another one that turned out not to be the case. And then looking at and listening to watching the post-game interview, he basically echoed a sentiment that Shane Beamer had last year whenever it came to Georgia. And it's like, if you want to compete with these teams at any point in time, you're going to have to sign more and more four- and five-star players to be able to go against the type of talent that the Alabamas and the Georgias, the Michigans have in the world that have signed all these four- and five-star players. And basically that's what he's saying. He's like, I signed one five-star player in the 2023 cycle. Alabama signed – or Georgia signed 24 or 25. If you want us to be competitive, it goes back around now to the money that if you want us to be in there in the mix, you're going to have to pay for it. I mean – He's not wrong. Neither was Stoops when he said it earlier. Nope. But the final score in that game and another instance to where Georgia just, I guess, stepped up and played to what the perceived level of competition was 
or the fact that Missouri may be that good. I don't know. There's still a question mark surrounding the Missouri team. I mean, uh, but Georgia taking it to Ole Miss. Number two Georgia defeats number nine Ole Miss. Final score of fifty-two to seventeen. Georgia now ten and zero on the year, seven and zero in conference. Ole Miss dropping to eight and two on the season, five and two in SEC. So right now, with the exception of Mississippi State and uh, Arkansas, the, the, West, the West is going bowling. Yeah. Um, still undecided as far as the East. Uh, right now, as it stands, Vanderbilt is the only guaranteed out for bowl contention. And mm-hmm. that's who my Gamecocks wound up taking on this weekend. Uh, final score, and I should have listened to you in this one. Hurdle two. This is uh, hurdle two, right? They have cleared hurdle two uh, of four. Uh, the next one, of course, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, being Kentucky. Um, South Carolina handily dispatches of the Commodores with a final score of 47-6. to six. You called it. You said that there was going to be uh, – more than 14 point difference Mm -hmm. we went into uh locker room at half with south carolina being up 13 to nothing would have been 14 but there was a botched snap because the rain the weather was abysmal during this game lots of heavy rain throughout same thing could be said during the uh georgia Ole miss game and i actually didn't get to see this one live i went back and watched it Mm. uh on a replay uh, like I said a few weeks ago, I'm not so much worried about as trying to sit down live watching some of these games. Um, if it's a situation where I want to go back and watch the mm-hmm. replay, I will. Uh, and this is one that I did go back and watch the replay of. Uh, South Carolina in the first quarter scoring six points, second quarter scoring seven, um, 14 in the third, and 20 in the fourth quarter to, like I said, hit that 47-6 to six final score. Vanderbilt dropping to two and nine on the season, zero and seven in conference play. South Carolina now four and six on the year, two and five in conference play. Kentucky next week, Clemson to finish out the season. Clemson on a hot streak right now. Kentucky on a downswing. Hopefully, South Carolina can continue to get it done uh, and be able to take out Kentucky. That being hurdle number three that needed to be jumped with us going into the Battle of the Carolinas and it being for bowl eligibility for the Gamecocks. Uh, as far as actual um, stats from this game, Spencer Rattler, 28-36, 351 yards on the day, three touchdowns, one interception, QB rating of 76.8. Mario Anderson, I don't know if you got to see the run or not, Mm -mm. but, man, uh, he was dead to rights. He had, at one point in time, I think four Commodores trying to anchor him down, and he snapped the chains and still broke off for a 70-plus yard touchdown run. 72-yard touchdown run on that particular one. I'll show it to you afterwards. Um, And backup quarterback Lenore Sellers gets in and has uh, one rushing attempt for 36 yards and scores a touchdown on that attempt. Uh, Xavier Leggett, nine catches, 120 yards, becomes the fifth ever Gamecocks receiver to eclipse 1,000 yards on a season. Joining the uh, likes of Sidney Rice, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Pharaoh Cooper, a couple of those guys that might be some familiar names, um, but all happening within the last 10 to 15 years. Um, of course, Xavier Leggett now steps into, like I said, uh, one of the only five people uh, for the University of South Carolina to ever eclipse a thousand yard season with two games remaining and may be able to set a new record uh, as he continues to climb uh, up the ranks. Like I said, there's not too many people that he has to pass to be able to achieve that rank. And as it stands now, uh, Spencer Rattler in two years is now the number seven uh, top-rated or number six top-rated passer in terms of yards for University of South Carolina and needs, want to say, 150, 160 yards 
and he will pass uh, Connor Shaw, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of passing yards for the for the university. Um, we actually did have Beamer Ball finally made an appearance once again in this game. Uh, we did get a block kick for a touchdown in this one, uh, and another. Uh, big boy touchdown. First touchdown of the game goes to defensive lineman uh, um, Boogie Huntley. Mm-hmm. So definitely throwing out the the playbook or everything in the playbook for this year. Moving on past that one, getting into the final game of this slate, that being the Missouri-Tennessee game. Um I know definitely not how any volunteer fan would want the this one to have turned out, uh, because that does mean that Tennessee does fall to seven and three on the season, three and three in conference. No, it's not. But you know, when you don't play to your caliber, and you make pedestrian mistakes and call play calls. I mean, here's the thing that most Tennessee fans are going to have to realize is this was not one person who lost the game. Like everyone calling for Nico to replace Joe or fire a coordinator, fire Hypel, or get rid of this running back. Like I have a lot of words to describe our own fan base. A lot of them I can't say on the show. Oh, I got a few words to describe the yeah. Tennessee fan base as well, um, and I'm sure a lot of those the main, words match. The main toxic trait that we have is we turn on ourselves very quickly. quicker than anything, than anything I've ever seen. So the quarterback, Joe Milton, was like the seventh or eighth bad thing about this game. Seriously, 22 of 34, 267 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I mean, he's only... The QB rating for Joe Milton for the game was only seven points less than what Spencer Rattler was, who had multiple touchdowns and one interception. The other aspects of your full team, you don't win or lose as one individual. You win and lose as a team. And you have to know that, like, as a fan of football, this can't just be something that we tell our peewee and Little League to, to boost their morale and to try to teach them a lesson as a kid. You need to know that as a fan, as an adult as well. This was on Hypel. This was on Milton. This was on the running backs. This was on the coordinators. This was on this was on everybody. They lost as an entire team this past Saturday. They got hit in the eye, and they didn't punch back. So to say that anyone needs to lose their job, whether it be a kid playing the game or a coach, I... I don't have much to say about that. Like, these are the same people who shout, it's great to be a Tennessee Vol. It has to be great to be a Tennessee Vol even when we lose. Like, it can't just be a chant we shout when we when we win. Right. When we're ahead, when we score, and, and it's a home game, and everything's loud, and it's, you know, third down for what. That can't be the only time we scream, it's great to be a Tennessee Vol. It has to be great to be a Tennessee Vol when we lose as well. Saturday was ugly. They played how they knew they would need to play. We did not play to their competition. That being said, um, Drinkowitz is an asshole. <laughs> Welcome to like, my world. He's like openly an, an a-hole. So I was like, oh, wow. Interesting choice of mentality and words so before this season and it may have been the tail end of last season there was a a question that had been posed and I think this was on bussing with the boys there was a question that was posed to a majority of the coaches among the SEC and I think that he was voted I don't want to say unanimously, but I want to say that he had the highest number of votes in terms of if you had to get into a physical fight with one of the other SEC coaches, who would it be? 
and uh, an overwhelming number of them chose Drinkwitz. I can see why. And like I said, as a South Carolina fan, our history with Eli Drinkwitz goes back even before the Missouri days. So we've had quite an extensive amount of time to to not be a fan of the old drink. Yeah, he's a arrogant little thing. Um, like when he he happened to beat all four Tennessee teams that he played this year, and like the, the Tennessee State champs comment, we kick our defense kicked their ass. Like I don't know, I thought there was like like I'm all about you know post game talking right and player and coaches talk cuz like I've been a part of it myself but even though the but final on he said that on camera right for the people to see I I I was like unaware that you could talk like that as a coach I thought there were like certain Guidelines, things you can't say, things ways you can't act, which is why a lot of coaches like the Kiff, Monty Kiffin used to get in trouble. Right. Um, was because of his mouth. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't care what he said in the locker room or what he said pre-game, post-game to his players within the locker room. The snide comment on camera was kind of... And the way he kind of snidely shook hands with... It's two, two weeks in a row that someone has been rude to Hypel. Yeah. One, because the other guy felt that he, we ran up the score. And this week, because he beat us. Yeah. There's sore losers, which Tennessee fans can be. And then there's sore winners. It, it's people who have, who have, on their own, taken it upon themselves to, to quote-unquote... rectify or pacify the feelings that have been felt by all the teams that were supposedly wronged or done dirty by Tennessee. Yeah. Is, is, is kind of my thought process. Well, I kind of want to be like... Vindicated. Dude, this he, is your who, first win. Vindicated, yeah. This is your first win against the Vols. This is Missouri's second win since they joined the, tennis, the SEC East. Against Tennessee. Against Tennessee. And that would have been back during their championship yeah. run for that season. Like, I, part of me kind of wanted to be like, it showed more about you doing that. Right. Than it does about us. So, I think he made himself look like an idiot. The way he acted. Granted, I also think that we make ourselves look like idiots every Saturday. Win or lose. I mean, it's just, it's the negative aspect of this game that we watch. And, you know, it's just like, like, we are actually the minority in fandom. Yes. Like, we don't really do fan talk or fan speak a lot. Like, neither one of us. I don't get it. I don't get, like, because, like, at the end of the day, like, within a few few weeks, this season will be over. It's done. like it, it and really, it's all over, and we're all going to wake up, and it's going to be a whole new sports season. Yeah, I mean, football will be over, and like, basketball is cool. ready to roll. Yeah, all right, at cool. this point. Cool. Yeah, then baseball will be ready to go, and then you know, then we'll be back around to it the next cycle, year. Cycle, yeah, it it's just over a cycle. Again. So when people get like whether they win or lose, Vols, Wildcats, Crimson Tide, Gamecocks, the it changes your day. Like it changes your life. You're like if you if you go to church the next day angry <laughs> because oh, yeah. the ball's you're holding, lost. You're holding way too tight. You're holding way too tight on a game. First of all, that you have no. Yeah. No. We're a smaller outcome. statistic a fan actually played. <laughs> yeah. In their lives, um, which I think is another reason that I am the way I am is because like I didn't play. I didn't pursue it in college I, I didn't coach the sport I, you know so I'm just like I'm just here to watch and enjoy we right. win that's great but like we said in like 
an early episode, not every team can win every game. That's just impossible. No. no just no, no. impossible. Somebody has to lose. And this past Saturday, we did not play Tennessee football. We did not play like the number one rushing defense in the SEC. We did not play like, you know, top three SEC rushing offense. We didn't play that way. I mean, you had a rookie mistake that Jalen Wright made fumbling on the three-yard line or whatever. Right. And then we had a chance to turn it around and take his mistake and fix it. Had him sacked for a safety, safety, and he still got through five defensive players and ran 20-something yards. Yeah. Had him dead to rights to not only get the ball back but two points. Cody Schrader for this game took a page out of Jaden Daniels' book and said, hold my beer. Um, Cody Schrader basically said, I would like to be in contention as well. Yeah, I put my name down for the Heisman. And so did the running back, the D2 kid. That's who Cody did. Yeah, Schrader. Cody Schrader, Schrader, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Schrader, uh, which I love his story. Playing with a massive chip. Yeah, playing with a massive chip saying, I do belong here. 35 carries for 205 yards and five catches for 116 yards on the day. But only scored one touchdown. Yeah, that's the, that's the crazy thing about it is he didn't have more touchdowns. So, I mean, as a Vol fan, like, the only thing I can say is, like, they played us better. And we did not play well. We weren't coached well. We didn't play well. This game fell into not the exact same slot as where Tennessee played South Carolina last year. But you made reference to it in the preview show last week. Yeah. That this may be that same type of spot. Yeah. That this may be the point where. But like we had this, happened, we had this and this, and it still happened. Someone still yeah. came out and black our, blacked our eye. Yeah. So don't go into every game thinking that it can't happen. I mean, for the love of God, it's it's any given Saturday in SEC football. We could turn around and lose to Vanderbilt on some freak thing. It's not Most, very it's not, likely. Not very likely, but, but you cannot prepare happen. yourself to win every single Saturday. And you have. To, and I just think that Vol fans, they don't win well. They also don't lose well. So it's just another thing where this was a sucky Saturday. We didn't play well. But, God, this automatically going to firing get people. Get rid of this guy. Just get, get rid, rid of, of this guy, guy. Replace Milton. I'm like, and then what are we playing for at this point? Let me tell you what you're playing for still. You're still playing for a good bowl game. You're Absolutely. still playing I mean, for, a, you know, if a miracle happens this weekend, a 9-3 and three or an 8-4 and four season if a miracle doesn't happen, and still a good bowl game. Yeah. And you're playing for stats. These kids are still, some of these kids are still wanting to play in the NFL. Yeah, so, so they're trying to get... They're still playing for game footage and, and stat lines, and we're still playing this football game. Like, it's not over. Like, we still have a winning season and a good bowl game to go to to play for. So, like, the people who are like, this season's over, it just baffles me. Like, Very it just, much so. It just baffles me. But that's all I really have to say on it. Well, looking ahead... Totally agree. And looking at a quick glance ahead to next week uh, before we take our first ever um, cocky top look at the playoff rankings mm. for this season, um, it looks like the the SEC West has decided that they're going to play another slate of cupcake games before their final games of the season, which includes most in-state rivalries or direct mm-hmm. border rivalries. Uh, while the SEC East is continuing with nothing but conference play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually going to be finishing out what would be the Eastern Conference uh, lineup to figure out, you know, what who's going to be ranked where in the SEC East. And, of course, we're going to be talking about these in a bit more detail next week. But Chattanooga travels to Alabama to take on the Crimson Tide. <laughs> University of Louisiana Monroe travels to Ole Miss to take on the Rebels. Southern Miss travels to Mississippi State to take on the Rebels, or Bulldogs, sorry. Um, 
that's somebody that has an opportunity right now that's in a similar boat to South Carolina that has an opportunity after they get this win this week, they face, if I'm not mistaken, Arkansas for their final game of the year. And if they beat Arkansas in that game, then uh, Mississippi State in their new head coach's first year would get bowl and Zach Arnett's first year would get bowl eligibility. As bad as they've been. As bad and yeah, on the tail of everything with Mike Leach and everything else. Wow. Abilene Christian travels to <laughs> travels to Kyle Field in College Station, Texas to take on the Texas A and M Aggies. Of course without Jimbo Fisher at this point. New Mexico State travels to the Plains to take on Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And, of course, Florida International will be traveling to Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks. And last but not least, the Georgia State Panthers will be traveling to the Bayou down in Baton Rouge there in Tiger Stadium to take on number 19, LSU. So literally the entire western slate is nothing but cupcake Taking games. Taking a weekend off. While the SC East will see South Carolina taking on Kentucky, Florida taking on Mizzou, and Georgia traveling to Knoxville to take on the Volunteers here in Tennessee. Hmm. <laughs> Talk about a lineup for next week. But we are about to take about another 10 minutes before we wrap up this episode to share our thoughts on what would be the current, and this is through the November 4th slate of games, so the new actual uh, football playoff rankings will not come out until tomorrow. So what we're going to do is we're going to go with what they currently are and what we think they're going to be after what this last weekend set of games was. So as it stands right now, we normally, uh, for any of these, uh, you typically only focus on what the top six or seven would be. In this case, we're going to go ahead and look at eight just because of the fact that um, those uh, teams six uh, are what would be five, six, seven, and eight. I'm glad I didn't say that in that quick sequential order because anyone who has worked in theater, if you say um, huh. five through eight yeah. in sequential order really quickly, it's followed by a dance. It's followed by a dance. So uh, no dancing on this show, uh, not even victory dances on a winning weekend. Um, but the current rankings are showing Ohio State at number one, Georgia at number two, Michigan at number three, Florida State at number four, with Washington at number five and Oregon at number six on the outside looking in. And then number seven is Texas. Number eight is Alabama. I can see why somewhat why Ohio State is where they're at right now. I firmly believe that Georgia will more than likely jump into the number one spot considering what happened this past weekend. Um, Michigan, despite all of the stuff that's surrounding that program right now with Harbaugh being on suspension and everything else going along with this, I seriously doubt that they're going to have any kind of infractions get handed down other than the coach not being allowed on the sideline. He probably won't be there for any of the remaining games for this season. If he does get back in on any game this season, it will be the Ohio State game. Um... And then, of course, what would be the Big Ten Championship and then uh, going into playoff games. Like I said, I seriously doubt at this point in time that because of this being the last year of this particular type of playoff format, mm -hmm. that while I don't necessarily 100% agree with it, um, that there's not going to be anything that is going to potentially keep Michigan out of the playoffs other than themselves at this point. Um, and Florida State in at number four right now. Not entirely sure that I would continue to have Florida State there. Um, I th think that given neutral field um, that Oregon or Washington could probably take care of Florida State. I could be wrong in this. Miami played Florida State this I past know. weekend and played them. They did, the, and I know that that's a border, or not necessarily a border rivalry, but an in-state rivalry that's um, basically not necessarily bragging rights, but that's like territorial rights in terms of recruiting and 
stuff like that. So, I mean, it was – it's like Tennessee whenever they show up to play Bama. It's like South Carolina whenever they show up to play Clemson. It's it's Ole Miss versus Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. It's, mm-hmm. you know, Alabama versus Auburn for the Iron Bowl. It's that type of rivalry matchup. Um. And like you said, yeah, Miami did play them down to the wire, and there was a lot of high hopes for Miami for this season, and and just more evidence, in my opinion, that I don't think Florida State deserves to be in that spot. Uh, Washington and and or Oregon could easily take that spot, and as much as I hate to say it because I'm tired of seeing Alabama being in one of those spots, Alabama could easily be in that number four spot as well. So the first three for sure, uh, numbers four through eight, any one of those teams could wind up taking that position. And then at this point in time, Ole Miss was listed at number nine, Penn State at number 10, uh, which both uh, Ole Miss and Penn State lost this weekend. So moving forward, like I said, other than the fact that I think Georgia is going to take that number one spot in place of Ohio State, Michigan may wind up taking number three two dropping Ohio State down to number three at that point uh Florida State's probably still going to stay number four just because they didn't lose um it's the committee's going to have a tough time with that five through ten or five through uh eight at this point unless any of those teams wind up losing over the course of the next two weeks and if that's the case it's going to make it a lot easier for them but if not I do not envy those people one bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't see it changing much uh, from today to tomorrow. I think UGA definitely moves up into that top spot, uh, especially with the caliber of their win. I watched, I did get to see a little highlights of the Michigan and Penn State game. Um, the coach was poised to to get a victory for Harbaugh. So even though they won and they are still... I mean, I do respect the fact that the top five are undefeated still. And that they are in the top five. However, sitting in the top 25, still undefeated, is James Madison and Liberty. But they are James Madison because of how they are judged in the top 25, sitting at 18, and Liberty is at number 25. Yeah, because you've got teams, you've got Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Penn State, and Louisville who are all currently sitting at one loss on this season. You've got Oregon State, Tennessee, Missouri, well, at least at this point in time, whenever this poll was done. Mm. Uh, And I'm looking at what would be, like I said, the football playoff listing uh for 2023 um louisville or where was that oregon state tennessee missouri oklahoma state kansas oklahoma and utah at that point in time all with two losses then you have um lsu notre dame arizona and kansas state all with three losses and that didn't even include the fact that I'm sitting here looking at um, Tulane being 8-1 and one and still having uh, multiple three-loss teams sitting ahead of them in the college playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the other one? Iowa sitting at 7-2. and two, North Carolina sitting at 7-2. and two. All of these teams still having three lost teams sitting ahead of them in the rankings. It just, like, I understand it. I get it because what they're looking at in these is they're looking at out of these teams on a neutral field. It's more of a power rating as opposed to a ranking. Yeah. Now, the, the rankings are the AP poll is the Associated Press poll. And I think we've talked about this. It's a collection of sports writers who may or may not have actually played the sport at some point in time. Sit down with a list of all the different teams 
and they sit there and write down who they think in order of 1 through 25 every week should be ranked at these particular rankings. The coaches poll is the same thing except it's done via the coaches who have more knowledge because they are actually someone who is there doing the stuff. It could be an opposing coach that, you know, your team has played or whatever the case may be. And and that's the one that I would more aptly, you know, trust as opposed to anyone else in terms of even a power rating. But usually these rankings are just, like I said, based off of this particular coach's opinion in what they think would happen in different outcomes and stuff like that. I like referring to power ratings, which typically would be a metric used to determine on a neutral field and based strictly off of the personnel on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like you're saying, all right, I've taken all of my players, each one of my players is assigned an overall stat rating based off of their metrics, their height, weight, speed, power, like you would in any kind of video game or anything like that. Like all yeah. of these metrics are, are assigned to value. And then you you find an overall value or rating for Team A and match that up against Team B. And then you take out all other external factors, home field advantage, the 12th man, if you will, um, all of that stuff. And you say, okay, out of just these people, if we were to simulate this game 100 times, how many times would Team A defeat Team B? And that's how you would set up what would be your power ranking. So at any given point in time throughout this year, I would put Georgia up against any other team in the country, and Georgia would likely be favored above anybody else in this country. The only ones that would come close right now, I think, would be Michigan or Alabama. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Ohio State maybe especially after what happened last year, but they might would be able to hang with them. But I don't think any of these other teams at this point in time would be able to hang with Georgia. No, I don't. Um, I still don't think that, looking at these, I don't think that either of these other three teams uh, keep Georgia from three-peating this year. Maybe FSU. I'm willing... I might actually take some of my winnings from this weekend and go ahead and bet on some college football futures. And provided... And this is probably why a lot of people have not already started betting on this is because of the uncertainty around the Michigan program that this year's national championship game is going to be Georgia versus Michigan. Okay. Because Michigan Michigan didn't get the opportunity last year. No. They wound up getting dropped by TCU. And Georgia had a fun time take, trying to take care of Ohio State. And then Georgia, of course, absolutely dominated TCU in the championship game last year. Had Michigan gone, I think it would have been, and I don't think it would have been a different outcome, maybe a closer score. Georgia still would have won, but it would have been a hell of a lot better game, and I think that's the game that you're going to wind up seeing this year. Okay. It's going to be Georgia versus Michigan. But Georgia still has to take care of business against Tennessee, which that's not going to knock them out of the – SEC championship. No. But Tennessee, of course, could play spoiler to the fact of adding a, 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 a loss in the column and potentially getting them knocked out of the, the playoff contention. Because if that's the case, then you'd be looking at Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington if they went out having zero losses. And how do you potentially justify putting Georgia unless it's based off of these metrics which you cannot get 90% of the population to understand 
like right now, if you were to say I would favor Alabama over Texas, even though Texas beat Alabama earlier in the season, that you would favor Alabama over Texas now on a neutral field, people won't understand that. Because they're going to look at it and say, well, Texas already beat Alabama. They shouldn't have any. You know what I'm saying? So. It's all crazy. It is. It is. But, unfortunately, we are rapidly approaching what is going to be the end of the college football season. Regular season, anyway. We've got the remainder of the month of November. So, we've got two more regular season games. If our team, well, I can't say if for the volunteers. Mm-hmm. When they go bowling, should you know Josh Heupel not elect to go bowling, which I don't think would happen. Um, we, no. of course, could see. Uh, while I don't know if you would wind up getting into a New Year's Six game, uh, you will have one of the games that is in that echelon, so mm-hmm. to speak, that higher tier. Whereas if South Carolina does manage to win two more games to finish out the season, we may finish up with getting like the Birmingham Bowl or the um, <laughs> see Music how much Geico can save you. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the what used to be GoDaddy.com bowls or something oh, yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's definitely on the low end. You get uh, a phone card and <laughs> you know a couple of free meals as your payment as your you know swag pack or whatever for the bowl game but regardless i know that a majority of game or a decent amount of gamecock fans would be happy with getting to bowl eligibility um because i don't think that there has been a coach in south carolina history to where a new head coach has gone uh three in a row to start off their tenure with hitting bowl games yeah so yeah Well, guys, this has been another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. If you have not seen or heard yet, we do have the website live. You can go on there to be able to check out all of the awesome items that you can get for your loved ones for the holiday season upcoming. So make sure that you check all of that stuff out. And also, don't forget to join us for the Thursday episode as we preview week 12 slate of games this is insane we're already at week 12 so we're going to preview the week 12 slate of games it is getting into the nitty gritty after that we are going to have week 13 week 13 of course does bring to you a majority of the in-state rival games tennessee is going to be taking on vanderbilt south carolina is going to be taking on clemson it is going to be a fun couple of weeks upcoming. It's getting into holiday season. I know some of our favorite times of the year. Um, we definitely look forward to bringing you all kinds of new content, especially getting into the off season. We're going to find all kinds of fun stuff to talk about. And also, don't forget to check out the other shows through Studio 66, including the Between Two Barrels podcast, featuring myself and my co-host, Opie, as we dive into all of the fun legends that are a part of the state of Tennessee as well as Tennessee Legend Distillery in and of itself. On behalf of all of all, Tyler McDaniel, I am forever to the Gamecock, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. Search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram, or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. 
Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. <laughs> <laughs>